This is Damon Albarn, and you're listening to Hallelujah Monkeys, the number one gorillas podcast in the world. Hello and welcome to Hallelujah Monkeys for the end stretch of April. My name is Dylan Flynn. My name is Trevor Ickrath. Dylan, we're back. We're here. We're here doing the show the way that we were supposed to. We've been let's let's face it, we've been shitty podcast parents. We've been we've been shitty podcast parents, but not totally shitty podcasters all around because we still have been producing content. That's true. I think it it, it kind of works out to like we've had like four podcasts in the last month. A little weirdly. bit because while this one has kind of sat dormant while I've kind of worked my way back to listening to music that isn't the fall, uh we've been <laughs> waters with some other subject matter and releasing little one-off podcasts through our uh patreon feed not to mention the latest episode of our patreon keys club for our 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 monthly donors is this the moment is this the is this the speaker box love below moment where we've potentially we're showing the people that someday outcast will no longer be a thing by making our own solo albums is this no I, I i just think you you know you and i are two two people with a myriad of interests and i think Gorillas is just too narrow a scope to contain us sometimes, and we got to branch out and try other things. That's a good point. So let's talk a little bit about what's up on, if you go to patreon.com slash monkeys and become a monthly subscriber at a dollar or more, what you get access to, because there's right. some really cool stuff happening right now. <laughs> you, of course, get access to the monthly track-by-track -track reviews we do. Every month on the 23rd. Talking about albums requested by our, our donors there's three of them so far we've done yeezus by kanye west that was the first one great next we did black holes and revelations by muse that was a lot of fun <laughs> really good really good and our most recent episode uh featuring one of our listeners glove the glove was uh the fury of the aquabats which was by a the aquabats. real trip of an episode I, I actually stand behind all three of those patreon keys club episodes i think they stand with our with our best work they're really good oh for sure they're great listens yeah and more people should hear them. But then also there's been weird experimental solo projecty things going on too. Right. In a move that I don't think anybody's expecting, I've started a, uh, a podcast where I read the Bible. <laughs> Not dryly into the microphone. No, no. <laughs> we, we talk about it and, and make jokes and have a good time. Yeah, you read it beforehand and then talk about it. Yeah, and you were and you were kind enough to come and join me for my first episode. Very fun, very fun. I had a great time talking about the first three chapters of, of uh, Genesis with you. Uh, and and that's going to be an ongoing thing. You're going to work your way through the holy book with the with a myriad of special guests of different religious perspectives, and it's going to be funny and weird and great. Uh, yeah, that's called the Lord's Favorite. And meanwhile, you have uh, started a podcast of your own as well. Yeah, called Hey Buddy, and, I, and it's, I, I, I'm remiss to try to describe it because it's such a clunky thing to describe. The tagline is the podcast where two buddies have one conversation over seven days. So I have another way to describe it. It's basically, uh, you know, you had a you had a child, <laughs> right? Which significantly cuts into your ability to record a conventional podcast, or or even just talk to my friends. <laughs> sure, sure. So you've kind of figured a way around that, and what you're doing is you're having single conversations with your friends over week long periods. Yeah. So like, I'll I'll record, I'll pick a buddy for the week. It's it's a rotating cast of buddies, and then I'll do. I'll ask them a question, and then the next day they'll answer my question in a message and then ask a follow-up of their own, and we'll go back and forth like that for a week. And then I, 
I package it all together into a, a wonderful episode of content and put it out to you, the listener. The first one was with my friend St. McCallan. It's very funny, very strange, and uh, and she's great. Uh, people should go to patreon.com slash howlymonkeys for all that and more because we can't even talk about it, but there's like so many other weird random things that might start showing up in that feed. Definitely. And I mean, that stuff will probably show up in other places eventually, but for, for now, like for when, now, when we come up with an idea or something, we're just going to shove it through that feed. Premium, premium friends only. <laughs> premium content. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But this show will always keep going and will always be free to listen to. Trevor, since it's been like six weeks since we've done this, do you want to check in on this band we know as Gorillas and see what's happening? Yeah, there's been some stuff going on, so let's talk about the news. It's all good news now. Okay, so we're. I was hopeful in a way that maybe our little mini hiatus would last long enough that the Phase 5 uh, album promotion wheel would have really started to turn in earnest. Right, I was I was really holding it, on. It hasn't I was really, really we're in that like weird pre-stage where only the super diehards know that shit's coming uh, still. We're edging, we are edging closer though. And yeah, if you're one of those super diehards, you've probably... You've probably heard Damon saying some stuff at concerts lately. Yeah, so he's been doing the South American leg of the Humans Tour. The last leg of the Humans Tour? Am I right to say that, Trevor? I, I believe so, I yeah. I think so. Yeah. Uh, and he has said to fans, like, after the shows... Okay. He, <laughs> he says the new album's coming very soon. He says it's going to be very soon. Uh, he said that it'll he'll he sings lead vocals on every track. He's so the not enough 2D crowd has been seen, has been officially. seen and heard. And apparently, yep. Damon Albarn's one of you, more, more 2D. I, I guess so, yeah. And he also said uh, that it'll be May. May is when we can expect the new Gorillas album. I mean, believe it when you see it with these guys, but I don't know. Things are he heating up. It sounds pretty serious, you know. I want that street date, though. Yeah, me too. I want I want that uh, that street date. I also like to know that title. Maybe we already do know that title, Trevor. Perhaps right because because Denholm Denim 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 how you it? Denim 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 Mulet, son of Jamie Gorilla himself, uh, has videographer been, has has been leaking. Yeah, and they're roadie. He's been leaking some stuff on Instagram. <laughs> I forgot that we kept calling him that roadie. <laughs> As a way of baiting him to come onto the podcast, uh, yeah, yeah, he's been he's been having chits and chats on Instagram and posting here and there and like, you know, being kind of impish about <laughs> teasing details. Uh, so so some of that stuff comes to us and we we're like under explicit orders that it's off the record, so we don't talk about it on the show. But you know, sometimes things get posted in comment threads and you can talk about it. So first of all, he has been talking about the documentary that he directed. Um, it's gonna be, he's, he said it's going to be feature length and that it'll be out either by the end of the year or by March in time for the 18th anniversary of the project. Um, Great. And I, I wonder what this is going to be. I, I've... Part of me thinks it might just be like the human sessions and the tour, or just be the tour. But like, ideally, it would it would actually document gorillas becoming a thing again, and like Jamie and Damon's relationship becoming a thing again. Yeah, ideally, we get an incredibly emotional work uh, by a young man about you know his artistic father breaking off this incredibly fruitful relationship with his creative partner and then picking it back up again after their friendship was almost destroyed and making this crazy thing they've been doing work again. Because then there'd be something kind of cool about 
bananas covering you up through phase end of phase two and then phase three being this missing gap of non-documented gorillas time that that like resulted in the destruction of the band and then we pick back up afterwards when the pieces are getting put back together there's something i really like about that yeah there's that whole lost history but then what about the name of this album because here's the deal here's apparently the deal. it's called plastic demon beach days Okay, let's let that land. What? <laughs> it's called what? Plastic Demon <laughs> Beach Days. What am I to make of that, Trevor? I have I'm not a Scooby, as Murdoch himself might say. <laughs> it could be a joke. It might be a joke because what happened was somebody on Instagram posted, What's the new album called? Denim Hewlett responded, Plastic Demon Beach Days, and then like hours later. He posted a follow-up saying, ha, 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 just kidding, guys. I wouldn't give away the name of the album before it comes out. <laughs> I added that little nervous noise. But, it's not in the text. But the thing <laughs> is, this is, you, you need to remember, it, it, first of all, it's crazy that we're humoring the possibility. That it could possibly actually be the name. But you got to consider. Right, yeah. This is 2018 Damon Auburn we're talking about. This yeah. is Damon, you know, gone totally native, wearing the pullover with the Phazon Gorillas font on it, putting on a 2D mask when he performs Feel Good Inc. Talking up new songs by saying, let's check in with what the cartoon characters have been doing, things like this. If there's a version of Damon Auburn that would release an album called Plastic Demon Beach Days... It is this one. It is this one. But I will say there's a counter theory, and I and I want to explore it with you. So I believe it was after the Columbia show or one of the South American shows, uh, somebody edited the Gorillaz Wikipedia article on the discography section to announce a 2018 album called Outsiders with a Z. Uh, and you might think, whatever, Wikipedia edits, they don't mean anything. The IP address was from Columbia the night of the show. We know Damon has been talking to people about the new album in the line after the show, and on top of this, it thematically makes a little bit of sense, right? Because we know about uh, Idaho. We know about one other new song uh, just from leaking out of Hollywood. So if it is this album that's about these American states and cities, calling it you're this British band, calling it Outsiders would make a little bit of sense, too. So I don't want to dismiss that rumor. That's a possibility, too. I got to say, it would be wild to get a Gorillaz album called outsiders you were talking about this yeah explain why this is bizarre because last time we got a gorillas album sooner than we thought we would an unexpected quick follow-up it was the fall an album which shares its name with a gorillas collaborators post-punk band marky smith's band the fall (laughs) your favorite band (laughs) now marky smith didn't originally want to call that band the fall like that the, the band name doesn't actually come from him he wanted to call it, guess what? Outsiders. Outsiders. What? Like, what is going on? <laughs> it's truly an eerie, it's an eerie amount of parallel thinking, if true. It's a really weird parallel. I'm, I'm fine with both of these, but God, something perverse inside of me desperately wants LP6 to be called, to be called Plastic Demon Beach Day. Oh, absolutely. I need this record. <laughs> Oh God! What what on earth would the cover art be? Even that's that's just bonkers. Who knows? We'll see. We'll see. The best part would be Damon talking about the title in interviews. <laughs> Definitely, because I I want to know in what headspace he was in when he came up when he came up with that. If it's true that Damon Albarn sings on every song of this album, which is not true of any other Gorillaz release, be it 
an LP or a B-Sides compilation. No other Gorillaz release has Damon vocals on every song. No. And it's called Plastic Demon Beach Days. You have to read into that as this being like the fan service Gorillaz album, right? I'm ready for it, you know? It's been <laughs> it's been 12, 15 years. I'm, I'm ready. Sure. Sure. Let's see what happens when, when you take the other side of the project really seriously. What kind of album do you get? Um, this is as close to official information about the new phase of Gorillaz as we have, Trevor. Uh, we've talked about it on the show before, the ISRC. It's like the ISBN is to books as the ISRC is to song. It's like you register the copyright information for a new or upcoming song. If and you if you want to call a song something, you got to tell this site. Exactly. Uh, or, you know, this like... The site is just trolling this this raw data that's always being updated by different record companies. But, but the the the, the here's the weird part of it. Okay, so, uh, you have to you have to put up the name of the thing before it comes out. The track time won't appear until right before it's about to come out. This hasn't been updated with the track time yet, but we do know that there's a new Gorilla song coming out soon called humility humility very interesting weird not the name of a city or a town what a somber title for a gorillas track and potentially a lead single if we're to believe mm. what this what this could possibly mean if it's if it's truly the new song from like to to announce or whatever the new album then what what if it's a what if it is a spoken word piece by damon saying look I've seen all the negative humans reviews. <laughs> I know you guys aren't happy about all the guests. I'm I'm willing to take the awe on this one. Here's some vocals from me. You know, what if what if the song is titled Humility for a reason? And then the rest and the last thirty seconds is just him going, ah, ah, ooh, 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 just doing his And somebody's like, Wow, this really is better than most of the stuff on humans. <laughs> somebody on somebody on hip hop heads. Yeah, uh, we don't know anything else other than the copyright is 2017. So I don't know how that works out. I don't know when these sessions happen. I do know that what I what we've heard about this album is that it was written on the road, uh, but then recorded in studio. So, you know, who knows? We also know something else, which is that they finally premiered Hollywood. The the song, the long uh, talked about awaited song from the new album featuring Jamie Principal and Snoop Dogg himself. A match made in heaven. Yeah, the they premiered it live in, in a run of South American dates. Um, I listened to like one of the first phone bootlegs that went up that night that they played it for the first time. That was only about thirty seconds of the song, um, and this is weeks ago now. And I was kind of intentionally not listening very closely because I didn't want to really get to know the song in that form. Of course, but. I remembered really liking what I was hearing. I remembered hearing a really nicely sung hook by by Damon. I remembered uh, hearing Jamie Principal seemingly doing more hype man stuff, which great. which is great. I'm I'm hoping that's his contribution to the song. And and I heard a little bit of that Snoop verse, and I remember picking out a bar or two and thinking like, oh, this is good. This is good Snoop. This sounds like it, it cool. really it really fits. So nice, very cool. I'm into that. I'm very into that. Okay, speaking of new gorillas material, right? We have been doing that. We we have an actual legitimate new Gorillaz song. A little bit because Caliuchus's record finally came out. 
Yeah, Isolation, Kali Uchis is, uh was the first one an album or, or a mixtape. I never know with these artists anymore if this is their proper LPs or whatever. This one is a proper LP, and it has a song on it called In My Dreams, credited to producer Gorillaz, featuring... Not just not just Damon Albarn, full full G credit. Gorillas, meaning this is the third in a succession of songs, including Soldier Boy by Martina Topley Bird and uh, something like This Night by by the aforementioned Snoop Dogg on his album The Dogumentary. Uh, so so let's hear a little clip from Cali Uchis featuring producer Gorilla's song In My Dreams. Let's take a listen. Trevor, this is great. This is a great addition to that little trilogy you you mentioned earlier. Yeah, it's the best of the three, I think. I, I would probably be inclined to agree. It's I, I like the Damon vocals that show up later on, and just the beat is really good. The moments when we're happiest. I love his la 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 la. Those are so good. The beat kind of reminds me of uh, that Five Whales and a Dream track from the Humans Deluxe bonus songs. Definitely a little, a little bit more energetic, and it yeah, it, it sounds like it's been like sped up to double time, and it's a little punchier, but it's really good and really chill. It's kind of got a cool kind of bossa nova vibe to it, and a very gorillasy vibe too. This just yeah. really sounds like a gorilla song. Yeah, with those with that little cheap kind of organ and the drum machines. It doesn't sound like something that ever could have existed on humans, but it sounds like something from Phase Five or Phase Four, which I really like. Uh, it gels really well with the rest of that other material. Yeah. And, and Kelly, it, it wasn't going to be on Humans. Kelly actually talked about this song in an interview. She said, uh, uh, we, as in her and Damon Albarn, or maybe her in 2D, I don't know. We agreed to trade uh, tracks. He came to New York when we did his, and I went to their studio in London to do mine. We made a bunch of music and finished two different songs that day, and this was our favorite. Usually I like to make a bunch of stuff and then step back, listen to them, and pick the one that is the bombest. Uh so yeah, that means this isn't like a, a human's leftover, which I think is what most of us thought. This is a, a sort of like, you scratch my back, I'll scratch your uh, session trading going on between these two artists, which is very cool. And uh, props to Callie to making sure that this comes out as like a gorilla's thing, you know? Would have been easy. Would have been easy and, and made the the legal at Warner Records happier <laughs> to just call it David Albert, I'm sure. Yeah, but I'm glad that we have this tradition now of every phase we get a new featuring Gorillaz track. And it's kind of a deceptively uh, sunny track, but there's like a kind of a dark undercurrent to it, you know, about like living in your dreams but ignoring reality. I really like it. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a jam for sure. Thumbs up. Big thumbs up. Um, thumbs up. Now, Dylan, before we get into the roundtable today, we have one more thing to talk about, because unfortunately... We didn't just miss Gorilla's news. Right, and unfortunately, in our absence, we missed a certain milestone in the podcast. 
our one year birthday anniversary as a podcast. Yeah, it's been just about one year since we started doing this show. How cool is that? Very exciting. Is this the paper? Are we the? Is this is the paper anniversary? I'm not totally sure how any of that stuff works. I didn't get you anything anyway. I thought instead maybe we could just uh, you know talk about some of the uh, the best moments of the show so far. Sorry, wait. Sorry, some of the best what now? Some of the best moments. Uh, oh my god! <laughs> who's that? Who's that voice? If it isn't who's there? If it isn't honorary Hallelujah Monkey and host of famed podcast One Hit Wonders of the World himself. Maxton Stenstrom. Welcome back. Back from the dead. Maxton, welcome back to the program. I am so happy to be back here. Can I just say that the last the last 20 minutes that you guys, everything you just said was wild to me. I can't believe there's a fifth Gorillaz album. I can't believe it might be called Plastic Demon <laughs> Beach Days. I, like, a, a, this is the wildest fucking saga. Like, there was a new Gorillaz album last year, and now there's going to be another new Gorillaz album this year. And there might be a documentary. It's a, it's a brave new world. It's a wild time to be a Gorillaz fan. It is an insane time to be a, a Gorillaz fan right now. Um, but I'm really happy to be here because I actually made a list of my five favorite moments of the podcast's first year that I would like to share with you guys. Oh, that's so exciting. That works out so well. That's great, Maxton. Definitely hit us hit us with your with your number five moments. My fifth favorite moment from the podcast's first year was when you guys read Rise of the Ogre, so I didn't have to. <laughs> yeah. That, those were some good episodes. Not not the easiest ones to record and not the easiest ones to get through, but I had a great time going through that with you. That really felt like when we were like earning our stripes. Definitely. I Absolutely. feel like that, that was part of the lore season, which is when the podcast got a little weirder, I think a little funnier, a little looser. Mm-hmm. And that really mm-hmm. was kind of a listen to us suffer for your pleasure moment. <laughs> <laughs> and it worked great. Yeah. Those in the DVD episode. Oh, yeah, the DVD episode, too. Oh, man. Thank you for doing that, too. You guys are doing the Lord's work here, I swear. Hey, you're doing the Lord's work with these moments, Max. Then what's your number four? <laughs> now, my number four moment is a bit of a deep cut. Uh, it's going to be the first episode that Dylan was absent for. Oh, the shit. unbearable absence of Dylan. Oh, I'm so happy that this made the list. Right, right. When I when, when I when I sat down with the listeners and read a little bit of a uh, Gorillas fan. Oh fiction. my god, classic! It's something you've been threatening to do for for the first few months of the podcast. If if I ever wasn't around, <laughs> like, I, I wasn't sure how serious you were being, and then it happened, and it was just like my I, favorite thing. I loved it. Let no one ever say that Trevor Aikraft does not make good on a threat. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> and you really couldn't have. You couldn't have like like. Drunken master style stumbled onto a more perfect piece of gorillas. Big fan fiction. Yeah, I really recommend if you missed that episode, go back to hidden episode number one, the unbearable absence of Dylan, for some unfiltered Trevor Ickrath madness. I'm glad that one landed with so many people. Easy top four. My number three favorite moment of this podcast's first year was actually the last episode when you guys cracked open Trevor's favorite band, The Fall. It really felt like, you know what, it was the most, like, archaeological dig of any episode so far, I felt, you know? It felt like, I I don't know if you've ever seen that documentary about Scientology, Going Clear. It felt like the, like, post-punk equivalent of Going Clear, where we just investigated this cult (laughs) and maybe, like, went a little bit undercover. Maybe too undercover, some of us. To me, it it felt like we pried the lid off of some sort of an old tomb and found a whole secret world inside. And, like, 
Uh, to me, that episode is 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 best summarized by that like fifteen minute stretch that's just information about the falls drummer. <laughs> you guys got granular with that shit. It was impressive. It was, it was some real shit. And shouts out shit. to Annotated Fall, a, a website I've I've never been to, but I've I I know so much about now. <laughs> there are there uh, the unofficial sponsors of Halloween. All right, so Max, what's number two? <laughs> Number two is when you guys managed to land an interview with the creator, the director of Bananas, Carrie Levy. That was great, and it and it did really feel like a big moment for the podcast. And he was such a great guy. So 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 unintimidating and so easy to talk to. And, and what a sweetheart! Obviously, that's a that's a good skill when you're in a documentary filmmaker and you're wanting to get people to open up uh, on camera. And he told us a lot of great shit too. I don't think it had ever come out before that Damon like briefly tried auditioning other singers to play two. That started here. Really crazy shit. No, we broke that. Yeah. Very crazy. Yeah. All right. So, Max, then what is your number one favorite moment of the first year of the podcast? I think that anyone who has been listening to this podcast since 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 its early days, who's been really following along, I think anyone who's been doing that could could easily tell you and agree on the number one moment of the podcast in, in the last year. Um and that, my friends, is Arthur. Of course. Oh, yeah. There's no arguing with that. There's no arguing with the that. The stars really aligned for our live episode, and that was the pinnacle of the whole night, for sure. Don't you have his phone number? I do have his phone number. number. We should call him again. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Please call him. What do you think him? about, like, on the year the year anniversary of the show in Los Angeles, we should call him up, and we should ask him if we're any closer to that earthquake or flood or whatever. Right. Man, but if you right. had told me that, like, hey... You're going to meet Damon Auburn, and he's going to say the name of your podcast. Oh, that'll be the climax of the episode. Like, if you had told me, if you had told me that that would be, like, the second coolest thing <laughs> that happened in that episode, I would have been like, I really got to listen to that episode and see what number one is. I don't think, I don't think a week goes by where I don't think about that moment where he was, like, talking about all the, all the people and how we're all interconnected. He's like, you, me, him, them, plane. Plane. <laughs> <laughs> Arthur, what a madman. I love him. He's great. A piece of magic, I swear on my life. A whole piece of magic. And Maxton, you know what? You were also a real MVP of that episode. In fact, in fact, Shelly, my dear wife, finally decided to listen to an episode of this podcast for the very first time, even though she's technically been on an episode of this podcast before. Uh, And it was the forum in Los Angeles. She, like, listened to it over two nights. And her, (laughs) her feedback to me, the two things she said was... Number one, she said, Maxton seems fun. So that landed. That landed well. And then number two, maybe even better, she just asked me, does Trevor like you? (laughs) 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 (sighs) It was amazing getting to hang out with you guys for the live episode. And I had to leave about halfway through before you guys got to all the, the golden Arthur material because I actually had to go to work. To work, um, yeah, it was tragic. Yeah, it, it, it sucked, but um, I, I listened to an album while I was working that night that uh, that we're actually going to talk about today. Oh shit! Well, in uh-huh. that case, how about Maxton, you stick around for the for the roundtable and and review this record with us uh, as we as we move into the last of the the album reviews of the season. Trevor, you want to start the roundtable? Oh, well, I think I'm gonna get a little comfy. Let's jump into the water and talk about Big Fish Theory by Vince Staples. Sploosh. Hey everybody, my name is Vince. First and foremost, I hope you're having a great day. 
I really do. Second, we've got a lot of complaints about our recent show performances, energy on stage, um, production choice. I think one person said, it sounds like we're rapping on robot video game beats. We would like to apologize for that. Secondary, well this is third area I guess, we would like to give you an alternative. On GoFundMe.com, you can decide to donate to the cause of $2 million, which will allow me to shut the fuck up forever, and you will never hear from me again. No songs, no interviews, no anything. If not, you can choose to let me do what the fuck I want to do when I want to do it. Get off of my dick, or fund my lifestyle. The choice is yours. Either way, we appreciate you. I was up late night balling. Counting up hundreds by the thousand. Uh, it's it's phase four, and we're talking about our first phase four collaborator album uh, in this new season format. That is Big Fish Theory, Vince Staples' 2016 album. He was one of the first guests we got on Ascension. He opened all those shows. Maxton, you saw him live with us. We all saw him live together. That was amazing. He had a really great set too. He had a really he had a really good set. I will say the one thing that I remembered most though about his set was that I thought the the jump in quality in the beats of the old stuff to the new stuff was very pronounced. I remembered feeling that the big fish stuff filled up a theater a lot better. Well, this is a very beat beat driven and production driven album, but before we talk about it, uh, Dylan, you gave me a little bit of homework last time we sat down. That's true, that's true. Do you remember what that was? 6 long weeks ago, uh, as we were as we were breaking off uh, for what we thought would be only one week, I asked you that by the next time we meet that you have an answer to this question, which is, is Vince Staples one of the greats? Mm. And and I have an answer prepared for you, but I think it'll be best if we save that till the end of the show. I am ready, though, to tell you what I think about his sophomore album, Big Fish Theory. Okay, okay. Uh, then should we start off with, like... <sighs> Sometimes we like to talk about the artist first, and I feel like there is plenty to talk about with the staples. Do we want to... He's an, he's he's a really interesting character. Kind of an iconoclast. He is an iconoclast, and I think I think he definitely rubs some people the wrong way, which kind of teed up totally. this, uh, this newest in his sort of fuck the haters internet tour uh, in, the, in the form of a GoFundMe where he was asking for $2 million to go the fuck away. Right, he was... So, like, <laughs> Came out with this video where it was just him talking to a camera and saying, hey, we've been seeing some criticism of the music lately, and I know you guys aren't really a fan of my Twitter presence either, so I'm I'm raising money. If you guys will help me reach $2 million, I will just go away forever. No more tweets, no more music, I'll just be quiet. By my silence permanently. Obviously, obviously, we're, he was being a little bit tongue-in-cheek here. But he still raised like a couple thousand dollars. And then to be a little bit less odious about it all, he also matched, I think, that amount that he raised and then donated it to the Michelle Obama Library Project or something. That's really nice. Yeah, so maybe he has a heart of gold after maybe. all. Maybe. It's so hard to pin it down, though. <laughs> it's so hard to tell. It's really hard. Then he used this as energy to promote his new single, Get the Fuck Off My dick which is a little more confrontational but but then here's the thing like how how serious is is vince taking this and also like how vulnerable is vince there's this there's these weird moments on twitter where like sometimes he seems like a master troll and you know you're always supposed to be trolling from a 
a place of emotional detachment. Right, or else you lose. Or else you lose, right? right. You're, other people are supposed to get upset, and you're supposed to be making fun of them for taking it seriously. And he does a lot of that, you know, a lot of slinging shit or whatever. But then every now and then he, like, in the middle of one of these shit-slinging trolley Twitter beefs, he'll just, like, get really genuinely upset and, like, threaten to show up and beat the person up. And you're like, well, maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you're not quite the master troll that you appear to be. Maybe you are like this weird Zen master. Maybe you're petty, you know, cyber thug. <laughs> it's all unclear. It's really unclear exactly what Vince Staples is. I can't wrap my head around him. I have a great quote from him from a Vulture interview where uh, shortly before the release of Big Fish, they asked him, are you nervous about the album coming out? And he responded, I'm never nervous. I don't care enough to be nervous. Like, what can happen? I already booked my shows for this year, so you're going to have to sit down and listen to it. Or you can go get a beverage. But I will be there. People don't like your music. It's a very easy thing to deal with, in my opinion. It's hard for certain people, and I understand and respect that. But for me, it's like nothing. Is it, though? Because it maybe, like part, maybe, maybe deep down he does care. I feel like deep down he might care. I feel you, Dylan. <laughs> well, if, if he does care, he at least doesn't seem like the type to let detractors prevent him from doing what he wants to do. And I think that kind of puts him in the lineage of other like great rappers that we've seen uh, rise to popularity lately, like Kanye West and Kendrick Lamar. Sure, and, and even going back, of course, uh, uh, Eminem coined a minor catchphrase on one of his first EPs by saying, I just don't give a fuck. So, I mean, this sure. is an attitude with some with some history in it in, in the game. Uh and then I guess you've got this album, Big Fish Theory, which which the title of Trevor suggests that maybe we're supposed to glean some kind of like real overarching message from all of these tracks, you know? It's an enigmatic title, but he's gone on record saying that he doesn't want to reveal exactly what it means. Mm. There are a couple Ooh, different interpretations. Well, I mean, there's the whole Big Fish Small Pond. I don't know what else there is. George Lucas will tell you there's also always a bigger fish. <laughs> Maxton, what was your Good what one. was your initial experience with this record, and how how much staying power has Big Fish Theory had in your like music rotation since it's come out? So when this when this came out, I think I I, I feel like I listened to it once the whole way through, and then I proceeded to listen to the song Big Fish about seventy times on repeat, back to back okay. in a row. Right. Um, so that was how I felt about it for a long. It time. became one. It became one yes, of those it was, records. Yes, I know exactly. Yes, what it was you like, mean. oh, I'll, I'll, ch- I'll kind of, I'll cherry pick what I really like, and um, and and the rest of it will kind of fall by the wayside. But in preparation for the show, I've been re-listening quite a bit, and um, I, I, I have, I have some more nuanced takes now. I think on Big Fish Theory and on. Not all of it in the mood he's trying to make and what he's trying to go for here. And um, I'm ready to talk about it with you guys. I'm ready to hear about it. Well, I think from, for me, for me, it was kind of similar, Maxton. When it first came out, I remember listening to it and being really into a few things about yes. it. One was just its runtime. I was really appreciative of like a hip hop album in 2017, the year of the, the, the double, the unnecessary double album mm-hmm. in hip hop. Mm-hmm. Uh, being kind of purposefully more pared down and then really responding to the production and having a few tracks that were really standouts to me listening to it you know two or three times and then kind of 
closing the book on it saying like big fish theory is a good album but I'll, you know between personal life stuff and also i just think the general quality of the output i don't think 2017 was like the best year of new music and i think a lot of people would agree with you and and so maybe part of it was just that there was a desert of quality and this felt elevated to that um i i have in in revisiting this album come away with like a little bit less of a single sentence summary of like good album and more like a okay well now we have to break this down into exceptions and see what works and what doesn't trevor what about you did you even was this even really on your radar when it first came out or or what was your experience i think my experience was pretty similar to yours you know when it dropped it was obviously during phase four so i was into vince stables as a gorillas fan i knew i had to give it a listen um really was into the production a lot. I thought he had some pretty good verses. And uh, like you said, I was also a fan of how concise it was, but it didn't really have a lot of sticking power. I too kind of put it down after a couple listens and didn't really pick it back up until it was time to revisit it for this episode. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that. Here's, uh, I guess we should do adjectives, right? Mac- Maxton, you're, you're our guest. Do you want to go first? I would love to go first. I brought three adjectives this week. And my adjectives for this album are brisk, eclectic, and skittery. I like it. Skittery is a good one. Skittery kind of really nails it on the head. I wish I'd come up with that one. <laughs> There's something that's kind of like sprite-like, but also a little fearful here. I really like skittery. That's quite good. I'll do. I'll go next. Uh, I kind of went impressionistic for mine because I feel like there's some lyrics on here that are a little bit impressionistic and whatever. I went with Arctic. I know that there's supposedly a nautical through line to this, but really to me it feels like icebergs and and big flumes of ice and and cold feelings. And uh, There's a nautical theme to this whole phase of uh, Vince's career. He named his tour The Life Aquatic, despite never having seen that movie. I, I read an interview where... He was uh, talking to uh, the interviewer about it. He's like, I've never seen that movie. It looks shitty, doesn't it? <laughs> and the interviewer, who was like probably some like, you know, music blog nerd with big glasses who loves Wes Anderson, had to go like, "It, I, I think it's a little contrived. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was really genius when we saw him live. The big, the big uh, Jumbotron in the background just had a solid orange slate on it. And then it was like that for the whole show. And then at the very end, during during Big Fish, these goldfish started to swim across it. It was very cool. So good. It was a very nice touch. Very cool visual. Uh, my, my second word is shadowy. I, that That's another kind of impressionistic uh, uh, something that it evokes in me. I think it's very apt, though. Then lastly, uh, economical. Because not only is the album short, I also think that there's a little bit of like there's a little bit of like Vince Staples guide to love and life on here that feels a little bit like a, a rule set that's that reminds me of being economical and economy uh so yeah those are my those are my three words Trevor what do you have to speak to Vince's kind of ever shifting changes in attitude I've got moody moody good that's then good I've one. got calculated which I think is a good way to describe both the way it's produced and the concise nature of it you know Every second here is very, like you said, economical. And Vince clearly had a very clear picture of what he wanted this record to sound like. Yeah, there's not a lot of treading water on here, for sure. And my last one I came up with after reading an article that compared this album to Marvel's latest cinema blockbuster, Black Panther, Afrofuturistic. Love that. Love that. Yeah, you can imagine a a different universe in which 
uh, instead of Kendrick making that 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 soundtrack, you could get Vince, and then it would be an album a little bit like this. To... Well, I think Vince actually popped up on that record, didn't he? Yeah, as a as a feature or something. I don't think he did any. I think Bagpack from this album was also featured in the uh, movie's promotion. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can picture, you could totally picture the Black Panther bumping this in Wakanda. Yeah, it's quite Wakandan. This album is quite Wakandan, yeah. and and maybe he sounds a little bit like a, more like a Killmonger than a T'Challa at times. We'll talk about it. Uh, okay, okay. So now we should get we should just launch into the track by track, right? Do we have anything else we need to say about Vince in the background of this? album or can we get going do you want to talk a little bit about the producer before we talk about the tracks because i had no idea who this guy was and he produced a lot of this album zach Sekoff? yeah who is this guy i don't know dude he's like a relatively unknown 21 year old electronic producer from la but a lot of the best moments of this whole album i think fall squarely in his lap definitely this is a very production first album i gotta admit i was i came at this album Thinking of the question you asked me, right? Is Vince Staples one of the greats? I don't think he turns in a lot of great performances here. He's frequently not my favorite thing about these songs. I think he pretty consistently on probably more songs than he doesn't will have like a bar that is amazing. Uh, like, like I call it his like puppet on a string moment from that really great moment in, in Ascension that, right. that kind of dropped everybody's I know exactly jaw. what you're talking There's about. There's a lot of those moments like that on this record. It's just that a lot of times it just, it just immediately kind of cools back down into this sort of middling stuff. But it, yeah, that's the thing. They're, they're just, like you said, moments. Like my first exposure to Vince Staples was on, uh, this really great Earl Sweatshirt track, Hive, and he shows up and just does this really long verse at the end and he just keeps going and going and it's good all the way through. It was one of those moments where like there was a, a everybody looked up like, oh, here's a freshman who we got to pay attention to for sure. Right. But here he rarely gets into that fourth gear. No, it it make it peaks. It's rears its head every now and then. But a lot of times he's kind of doing this like very i'm 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 step back a few steps i'm 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 not the star of this show yeah i'm not the star of the show zach sekoff really honestly one of the things that kind of like started to emerge for me is that i feel like zach sekoff does with detroit techno on this album what twilight tone did with like 90s uh house music on humans where sure He's sort of like, here's contemporary hip-hop and pop music kind of seen through this metallic Detroit smoky sound. Uh, so, so yeah, that's that, I really love his work here, almost uniformly. I think that, that his work I, on the production here is honestly one of the biggest things grounding this album and, and making, it, um, making it the piece of art that it is. And I'd also like to take this opportunity to mention that he has an amazing interview on another podcast called The Patches Podcast, which uh, is a we, podcast we, we, we don't, for, We uh, don't give uh, free promotion other podcasts on the show. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, but Zach Sekoff, I think, is a, is, is a real secret weapon. Agreed. And without his production, I don't know how cohesive this album would feel and it, and with it it feels quite cohesive right he's doing a lot to really hold things together here definitely i couldn't agree more yeah let's let's talk about what's being held together and get into the tracks starting with this opener 
crabs in a bucket. Yeah. Crabs in the bucket. Wanna see what the bottom know she love it. When they hate so you hit them with the encore. Sending shots, but you at the top floor. Let them pop shit. Give me some drums to go pop with me. White women at the shows unconscious. If not that, the top of certain daughters. Get with that again in the mosh pit. Where's your moxie? Ain't true from poppy. Young man, you not acting too cocky. Probably cause I'm feeling like the world gon' crash. Brother honey son on the E-class dash. I'm feeling funny. Guarantee gon' flash. Cock back blast. Put him in the back. Probably gon' regret it in the retrospect. Got a lot of problems. I ain't let go yet. Crab in the bucket. Produced by Bon Iver. Yeah, he's got a co-production credit on this one. Uh, yeah, what? Yeah, I got I got a quote from Zach here talking about how Bon Iver contributed to the song. He says, basically, the beat was pretty much done. Then we sent Bon Iver the stems, and he did some stuff on his tour bus and sent back a bunch of synthesizer work. So some of those chords that happened in the bridge were his, and he did some sound design on the beat. Zach also said that this is kind of his take on UK garage with swing drums. Yeah, I can feel that. I can feel that. What it really reminded me of was, you guys know 10 Tricks Point Never, uh, he used he yeah. used to be called Chuck Person, and he, and he was, like, one of the dudes credited with kickstarting the whole Vaporwave thing with his, like, he had some tapes, like, one of them is called Echo Jams. The way that the vocals are kind of really chilly and cut up really remind me of that stuff, too. Um, I also got big burial vibes from this one. Yeah. Huge burial vibes. Yeah. Obviously, I love this intro. I think this intro is like, I love an album where the opening sound like is immediately this really memorable. I hear it in my head right now. This intro, yeah. It's so it's so God. It's just it's there's something that's really intriguing about it. There's it's it's just exquisite. I love it, and then I love how it's just perfect for this album. Yeah, definitely, and I love how Vince drops yeah. one little crabs in a bucket, and the and the drum comes in under him, but then stops immediately. Love that. It's almost like the song like almost starts too early. Yeah, great, like a little false start. So good. And of course, crabs in a bucket uh, is a reference to crab mentality, which is a way of thinking uh, I've seen best described by the phrase "If I can't have it, neither can you." It's a metaphor that refers to how crabs trapped in a bucket will kind of grapple and climb over each other trying to escape, pulling each other down in the process and prevent anyone from getting out of the bucket. And of course, the analogy in human behavior is that like members of a group will reduce the self-confidence of any member who uh, starts achieving some kind of success by like uh, tearing them down out of envy, spike, competition, anything like that. And you think you're pulling yourself you think you're pulling yourself up, but you're just creating an environment where no one succeeds. You're really just hurting everybody. But the question is, is like, <laughs> is he trying to seem holier than thou with this metaphor? Because he is a crab in a bucket. This is a dude who, like, takes some fucking shots at his contemporaries on Twitter and in interviews, like, pretty regularly, right? Yeah, I mean, you'd think being aware of this metaphor, he'd kind of be a little more conscious about how he might fall into that bucket himself. Well, maybe that's why he called it this. Maybe it's maybe it's quite self-aware. Maybe he's yeah. He's... Maybe it's a reminder. You know, I want to think it's somewhere in between both. Honestly, that's a, that's that's probably apt. You know, we, we live in a we live in a world of grays, not not of blacks and whites. Um, and so, what do you think about Vince's performance on this song? I think he's got a puppet on a string moment in here. I think he does when he goes uh, battle with the white man day by day. Feds, feds taking pictures, doing play by play. They don't ever want to see the black man eat nails in the black man's hands and feet. Put him on a cross, so we put him on a chain. Lying to me, saying he don't look like me. Uh, it's a great lyric. I have that in my notes too. So good. But then, really enjoy that. But right before that, Trevor, he's like talking about the expensive brands of clothing he wears, and right after it, he talks about the Porsche he drives, and not even in like clever you know 
Kanye Westy ways. He's just sort of name dropping some brands, and it's and it's sort of like this, it feels a little fillery. It does like this moment of really exciting. Like here's this dude who can really capture the zeitgeist in this in this like angry, direct, brutal way, kind of wrapped around this other more standard stock material references. Uh, and I get like putting stuff in there. I get putting stuff like that in there to kind of elevate the rest of the material. But sometimes I just you know I want this level of quality all the time. Yeah, I don't I know. I don't know about other than the intro, which I really like. And that and that specific part of that verse, which really feels like it's delivering on the on the strengths of Vince as an MC, uh, and the beat in general, which I think is really strong, the the song itself feels a little bit messy, and I don't think the structural elements of it are helping really. That's a recurring problem for me on the record. A yeah. lot of these songs have kind of weird structures that don't really end up coming together at the end. So then this one and the is, album is, as well is also kind of paced kind of weird. It's this, got an interlude at track three, which is a bizarre <laughs> move. Also weird. This one, we should say, it's two Vince verses and then this outro section by Kilo Keish. Uh, yeah, another member of the Gorillaz family shows up. Who's all over this album. Oh, yeah. She's definitely playing like a Snoop Dogg on chronic role here and, and showing up over and over again and doing her thing. I think like five times out of these 12 tracks in total. Let it be known, this show is firmly on in the Kilo Quiche fan club. We love her. We're all um, big out of body fans here. Do you remember She's when great. you remember the forum she was wearing that wild princess peach dress that was like Yeah, very very <laughs> Oh yeah. ornate and great. Yeah. Uh yeah, Kilo is fucking amazing. But I don't she know She shows up and does a little outro here and it's pretty good. It kind of punctuates this first song in a way that gets you excited for the rest of the album, I think. If I don't know that I that I there's Kilo moments on here that I like a lot more than this. Like she's to me she's kind of vague booking lyrically a little bit like she says like you can drop the anchor baby i know what's under there but it's like i don't know what's under there i don't know what she's talking about it feels like it feels a little bit like a phase three gorillas thing where he was just like okay say stuff about the ocean and ships and shit and she was like got it i don't mind that though especially not as like the final moment of this first song it kind of adds a bit of veneer of mystery to it i guess so the the melody she's singing also isn't doing a lot for me but but again the main problem with it here is just kind of like what is this song it's two verses and an outro and i don't quite understand it but yeah it ends up kind of just feeling like an intro yeah let's let's, let's let max and yeah. introduce this one and start talking about mm, it. Bum, bum, <laughs> bum, bum. oh my god this is my favorite song on this album this is my favorite vince staples song <laughs> this is like this is this is his masterpiece you, i could listen to the song over and over forever and as a matter of fact I did today about 10 times. I love Big Fish by Vince Staples featuring Juicy J. I was up late night balling so far from my past misfortune. No sleeping, late nights, no eating, gun squeezing. I'm a real artesian, Ramona. I was around that counter. Still down, I'm a North North soldier. G slide, right down Sawyer. When we slide, you won't see morning. This is also my number one on the album. Hell yeah. Juicy J does great on Juicy this Juicy J track. is great. Oscar winner Juicy J. He's great. I love Juicy J. I love Three Six Mafia, and and I love the idea of Juicy J kind of being on this album for a number of reasons. Um, if you if you're not familiar with with Three Six Mafia, they were like a real Dirty South slash Crunk pioneer uh, group, and they're all old dudes now. But they haven't really gotten to that like grandfather of hip hop who we all agree they're like 
unassailable. You have to talk about them with one of the greats. It seems like people still kind of talk about 3-6 Mafia with like a little bit of a snicker. Like they're a little silly. And they do, they're very much known for their repetitive hooks. Juicy J himself is the author of, I think, one of the most tragic lyrics in all of hip hop, which is, uh, and it's a hook too. <laughs> it's the hook of the song. It goes, you say no to drugs. Juicy J. <laughs> There's something so tragic about that. But I like him here. There's something about it, uh, you know, treating him like he is one of these, like, beloved hip-hop grandpas uh, who, who everyone loves. And also the fact that, like, one of the criticisms of Vince Staples in his hate camp is that all of his hooks are too repetitive. And so he's kind of like, okay, well, here's... Here's one of my big influencers in the repetitive hook department. Here's Juicy J doing this, yes, very repetitive hook. That is Such great. a good it's hook. It's a great hook. Maybe so one good. of the best on the it's album. It's a cool act of like doubling down, I think. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Love it. Love it. Uh, this song's great. You got a puppet um, on a string and, moment in this uh, one, Dylan? It's the it's the whole first verse, I think, is the whole pretty first much a yeah, Shouts out to your daughter. Yeah, he talks about Ramona <laughs> because of Ramona Park. But it's the end part. The, it's, it's the drop. The reminiscent sitting in that bends of the 22 bus stop way back when with the 22 five-shot eyes on scan for the click, clack, clack, or the boom, bop, bam, cuz. Love it. Really How about good. you, my, my favorite part is another story of a young black man trying to make it up out that jam, goddamn, bag, back. Let me make my bands. Got plans for you. Hate and don't shake my hand. Take it easy, homie. I love that Fucking too. Good, dude. Fucking so good, much dude. so that my favorite, my, my puppet on a string moment in this song is both of those verses that you guys just said. <laughs> I, 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 it's the perfect moment. It's the perfect moment. Really good. He, he of, keeps it up here. It's this is a this is my, my favorite performance from Vince on the album. Hard I also agree. love the beat. I love the I love that beat. I love the little ascending higher notes. The ding, ding, ding. Very intriguing. Very like mysterious sounding. Uh, I love when it goes really super low passy on the second verse, and you can hear like little trickling water and like swooshing noises. Very yeah, that's cool. my other. Effect, yeah. That's my other favorite thing about this 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 production is that like like the song begins so weirdly with like a, a clap that you can't really feel the rhythm to because it's surrounded by this ki- this kind of these kind of minimal bubbling noises and just kind of yeah. strange watery sound design that actually kind of sticks around throughout the track and it and it really doesn't distract from it honestly it just kind of builds the atmosphere really well I think no sometimes it even feels like cymbal crashes like the waves crashing they use it in that kind of uh, interesting. Uh, yeah, in that kind of like uh, measure marker, the way that you would use a simple crash. Really love that. Really love those little textural elements too. Oh, I also I also need to to say another one of my favorite lines in this song, which is mix the holy water with the Voss. I think about that almost <laughs> every day. I think about that almost every day. Good I think brand, about good, I good think about brand. almost I think about almost as frequently. Uh, Maxton, I believe I. You texted me or I texted you once when we were on Twitter and saw that uh, Vince Staples was tweeting about uh, one of our favorite fast food restaurants, Raisin Cane's. Oh, uh, yes. Were we there? I think, I think I we might have been there. No, I think I texted you like a screenshot of the tweet and you just texted back, mix the holy water with the cane sauce. And I, like, just, <laughs> and I just think of that sentence like... Probably like once a week. Very good. The holy water with the cane sauce. That's some solid banter, you guys. Uh, I will say that maybe it's my gorilla's bias showing through. 
I don't think he has a verse on this album that is as good as his verse on Ascension, but this song I think comes the closest. Sure, I would I would agree with everything you just said. <laughs> now I think it would be a good time to follow up on my uh, the running thing I've been doing this season with uh, figuring out what kind of anime every album we've listened to <laughs> Great. would be. Yes. Oh, Please thank do. God. And, and we, we we talked about Black Panther already, and I really see Big Fish Theory as kind of like an anime series about Vince Staples kind of pulling a tim allen in the santa claus and like accidentally killing the black panther and then having to subsequently fill his shoes because somebody needs to be the black panther right. and I, I think that right. would be i think becoming a superhero and kind of having to like devote himself to like his area and stuff like that and doing good that would be a good learning experience for vince stables i feel like he kind of needs something like that character development it might help pull him out of his like his Daria like I don't care about anything yeah. state you know? and I'm sure we'll return to this uh, throughout the episode but <laughs> good please for, for, for now let's let's uh, get started on talking about some of these interludes Alyssa sometimes you have to get all the all the crap out of the way before you get good stuff and you're like okay I'm getting good stuff now but um uh, I, I had a bit I mean the stuff I wrote about what do I really write about how many times did you listen to this song before you realized uh, that was Amy Winehouse talking? Well, Zero? I never, I never realized it. I, I, I found it out when I was researching for the record. I, you know, if she had sung a few bars of Rehab, I might have been included. But I, you know. <laughs> Uh, it's it's a clip from that from that documentary that apparently was the big uh, influencer or the, maybe even the impetus behind that EP he put out, Prima Donna, which he which he viewed as him like making a musical accompaniment to to that documentary, perhaps in the way that Neil Diamond made heart songs to accompany ET. <laughs> it's so fascinating. Uh, I but I don't like this at all. I mean, you got Amy Winehouse. She's talking about kind of like love and how it informs art and being in pain, which is which is thematically linked to the next little run of songs. So I get why it's here. Uh, but then Vince is kind of kind of rapping, doing this really halting little mini verse about missing somebody, and it just uh, it does nothing for me. I wouldn't even call um, this rapping. I think he's singing. I think he's singing here. I guess so. Yeah. Uh, and then and then it kind of clunkily shifts gears into a Temptations song, which is a great song. Uh, wish it would rain. That's a great one. Sometimes but, I wish it would rain. But it but it doesn't do. I think it's trying to do the Yeezus thing, where you have like a really jarring, yeah. sudden shift into this soul sample, but it doesn't really pull that off. I don't think. Um, yeah. So then let's get into the first of these tracks. That's about like love and nihilism and not wanting to buy into the whole relationship circus love can be if you're listening to this uh podcast this is probably the song you're most likely to have heard from big fish we talked a little bit about it i think on an episode a while ago back when it first came out because uh Everybody's uh, favorite gorilla, Damon Auburn, shows up here to do some vocals. Hey! Yeah, did this grow out of uh, some discarded human stuff, what he's doing here? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, he's not really doing a lot, is he? Well, he might be doing a little too much, but also not a lot, yes. No. Uh, I don't like this hook that he's doing. I don't like this song in general, really. Like, there's not a lot going on. I mean, I'll, I'll give it this. 
Damon Albarn harmonizing with Ray J is an important moment in musical history. <laughs> it's true. It's true. But I don't really enjoy anything going on on this song. I think Kilo has a great verse here. Uh, she opens with love can be a lot, so maybe not. You can give me all the cash you got. That's great. And then later she does, you know my name. I'm not your babe. What's that you're saying? I don't speak lame. Also great. I, I don't love her verse, but I do like her presence on this track a lot. Going back to that thing I said about uh, Vince Staples taking up the mantle of the Black Panther. I think she would be great as a kind of like a Catwoman-esque femme fatale nemesis. Oh, I like that. Like not necessarily a villain, but somebody who's not working with Vince either. They probably have to like, you know, join forces every now and then. But I think... She plays a bit of almost like an antagonistic force on this record. And there is something kind of humansy about this, right? Because didn't Damon describe that as this album of conversations between men and women, which this song, I guess, sort of is. Uh, but then but then Vince comes in with that first verse and he's doing that really minimalist thing. And I think he thinks that he sounds more interesting when he's doing that than he actually sounds because it's really kind of a yawn. It's just um, sort of a mess. Like the, when he kicks it up a notch for that second verse. But between that between that hook and that first Vince Staples verse, I don't know. I don't know. This is a bit of a mess, I think. It's not a lot of structure. It feels like just things are happening as they happen. It's really leaning on that hook, too, which is unfortunate. There's a lot of yeah. that hook. It is better. I'll say it is better once they start kind of going off on it at the end with Ray J doing the... the why is Ray J on this song? <laughs> What's going because on? Because Vince Staples loves Ray J. Okay, why? Quote, Ray J will never lose. Ray J is the man. Ray J is probably top, top five, five hip-hop West Coast of all time. Ray J has had a hand in everything that's occurred Does in black mean- culture. Everything we love is directly related to Ray J. He was the first blood on record. In, in Vince's world, does it go like Snoop, Tupac, Ray J, Dr. Dre, <laughs> Ice Cube. I'd love to see that list. I don't understand it, but there's a very long GQ interview where he goes very in-depth about his fascination with Ray J. There's a radio interview that he gives with Tyler, with Tyler the, creator. the Creator, right? Yep, where he yeah. talks about how much he loves Ray J. If Just... you're if you're 12 and you don't know who Ray J is, <laughs> Ray J oh, boy. is uh, probably at this point best known for his connection to the kardashian kanye west oh, right yeah. i think so yeah i mean he was he hit it first he was uh kim kardashian's co-star and the i guess director producer of that yep. sex tape that she put out which which was credited uh fairly or unfairly with like creating her brand initially um and i guess honestly you know what i think of first when i think about ray j that he's brandy's brother he's brandy's brother <laughs> yeah he's the brother of, of of r&b 90s superstar brandy that blew my mind a little bit wow okay you know he was one of these like hang around dudes who would show up on features now and then but Boy, he's just barely on my radar as an artist, but apparently Vince really, really respects him. I couldn't tell you a single song he's been on. I don't know. Nothing much else to say about this. It's it's It would be interesting to know whether or not uh, it truly did grow out of some discarded Gorillaz material. It says that Damon Albarn's playing keyboard on this, so shrug. Yeah. Which makes me think maybe. Which makes me think maybe. There's some kind of elemental thing here that came from those human sessions. I'd like to know. I just wish it was less of a mess. Me too. Uh, hey, what time is it? Seven forty-five. Hope I can't come scoop you up round seven forty-five. 
Slide around with my drop top up or down, you down the ride. Look into my eyes and told me, Daddy, show you right. 745. Produced by Jimmy Edgar. Who's that? He is a Warp Records artist who has... He, he's mostly known for, like, making IDM and techno. So it's it's interesting to see him pop up on here, but maybe not too interesting because it's definitely... Vince has been building this kind of electronic sound throughout the whole album. And he has this kind of definitely. fascination with the UK, I think, too, on it. And, um, it, it definitely, which is, definitely. and so it's, it's very interesting to get him in here in the mix because I think that his production... I think he's trying to... Um, ape some g-funk especially with this with this bass line that he has on this song i like the bass it feels super sticky i love the bass on this i i i I feel like up until this point on the album a lot of the basses we've been getting have been very kind of plunky like boom like like in a good way yes i know what you mean i know yes yes they have this kind of this like this acid house sound to them almost. It, it's very electronic. It is interesting it's, that, it's, that he, he reaches out to this kind of UK IDM guy and he gets something that's maybe even more West Coast sounding than anything else on the record. There is something interesting about Yeah, that. absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, this song is named after a, a very modest mid-2000s BMW sedan that is not very flashy or exciting, but it is solid and respectable. It's also named after a time of the day or night. <laughs> it's, also that, it's also that. I think this hook is really interesting. It's not like you know a catchy single hook, but it's it's got an intensity and a, and a focus about it. And it, he really starts to feel like 745 starts to feel like this mantra, you know, the way that he keeps dutifully repeating it. Yeah, I know what you mean. But but it's it, it, even though he's dutifully repeating it, it's still less repetitive than I think every other her, hook we've heard on this album thus far. Well, yes, it's more of a it's more of a yes, it's more of a verse that's being kind of converted into mm-hmm. a hook almost. But I will say the the actual verses on here are fine. They're like there's there's nothing too memorable about it. No, here. Like, he's kind of in a purposefully restrained mode. I like that one part that's like Adam Eve apple trees, watch out for the snakes, baby. But that's about it. That's kind of it. Yeah. However, however, the outro of this song is like my favorite Sonic moment on this record thus far. It's it's got this great like disintegrating glassy synth thing. God, it's so good. It just gives me goosebumps every time, and it really comes out of left field. And it's this it's this gorgeous moment. I love it. I love that outro. Very nice and that outro leads us into another interlude. Ramona Park is Yankee Stadium. Which sure. is a reference to the significant crip presence in the Ramona Park area of Long Beach, which ah. is uh, where Vince is from. They all wear Yankee caps. Right, so then it would look, there'd be so many of them that you'd think you're in Yankee Stadium. Uh, yeah, the best thing about this is the title. That's a good title. That's a right, because it title. shouts out your daughter. Hey, hey, guess who's back? It's Kilo Keith. Yeah, she says gunshot. Earning that feature credit. <laughs> credit. Uh, I guess that this is supposed to be another another uh, um, kind of topical gear shift in these songs. Uh, it's weird. This yeah. album is structured weird. But I'm not going to complain because here come two of, I think, the best songs on this record, including oh my boy. number one oh on the album. Oh, boy. Boy, yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah, right. 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 Number one, top three. I'll take all this you got. Please, Vince Staples. This is my number two. Guys. I like this one a lot. It's my number two. Can I confess something? Yeah. 
This is my second least favorite song on this album. Oh. I don't get it. I don't get it. I, no. You, you want to know why? Yeah. I, I can explain it to you in a explain word. Explain yourself. Sophie. <laughs> I'm unfamiliar, so it wasn't a stumbling block for me. But tell me, who's Sophie? Well, Sophie. Uh, Sophie you is a, do it? it seems like you want to do Sophie it. Sophie is a is a laptop IDM producer who got some like. Uh, some serious hipster buzz a few years ago for a run of tracks. Does is Sophie actually female identifying or are they being glib? I don't know. I, I don't know, but I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna use the they pronoun just to be safe. Just to be safe. But uh, yeah, they do I, a thing, Trevor, that I would describe as being like, what if trap music and the hamster dance <laughs> became a thing together? Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. listen to it. There's like a. There, I like. I gotta there, say, I'm gonna say right now. I love those Sophie singles, and I like what Sophie's doing on this on this song too. Especially, God. probably the part that you hate the most, Max. And I would imagine the the middle bit with what's her name, Kuka or or. Yeah, fuck that shit. Fuck that shit. I want it gone. Pure raw Sophie, and I fucking love it. I think it works great here. <laughs> it's it's so. I don't. I I think that this is maybe the most jarring tonal shift on this album of jarring tonal shifts. I really love it. I think that that's, like, it's just, let me expound a little more on PC music first. Sophie is kind of the face of PC music, this whole label and collective of, of, of people who make that kind of... IDM hamster dance music that Dylan was describing. I think the actual, and the actual, like back when it was an unironic thing with with songs like Cotton Man Joe and the Scat Man and Hamster Dance. Uh, the the name of this movement was Happy Hardcore, I believe, back in the day. Happy Heart. Yeah, I remember it, that, that being is. a thing. That is what it is. Yeah, uh, and this is kind of the post-ironic cannibalization of Happy Hardcore plus trap music. Is that fair? <laughs> is that a fair description? I really think that's what it is. Uh, I, I, I'd i let that slide, but God, this is annoying to me. I think everything about this track falls flat for me. I think that there's like, I, there is some attempt at something like a, like harmony on, on the song, or maybe it's, maybe it's intentionally supposed to be very kind of dissonant, but I just, I, 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 I gain no enjoyment from listening to any of this like really kind of, the clangy metallic production, which I feel like has worked better elsewhere on the record. It's just every everything about this, with, with the exception of one second verse, it falls flat for me. Uh, but let's talk about okay. that second verse. Enough of the because is there any greater joy than listening to a song without any feature tracks and just having Kendrick Lamar poke his head in? Yes, because Bam, okay, let's up? let's just get right into it. So first of all, I was worried, Maxton, when you said you didn't like the song that you were gonna you were going to jump on the repetitive chorus hate bandwagon because this is definitely the most repetitive chorus on the record, but yeah. also my one of my absolute favorite hooks. I love how, yeah, right, just turns into this, like, weird, bouncing, rattling cadence, and I love the, the, the call and response coming from the, like, cheer squad going, yeah, and... Ow! I love that stuff. That's really good. And it and, feels uh, like to me that you've been like battered around or something, and there are a bunch of like little like Vince Staples heads spinning around your head, going like, "Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah, right." <laughs> well, you know what? And I, I'll, I want to call out that first verse. I think that first verse is terrific. I think it's it's pure crab in a bucket, uh, Vince Staples, like breaking down all of the tropes of his kind of his class of, of radio hip-hop stars saying like, oh yeah, your shows are full of people making a lot of money and then just 
letting all of the air out of it with that with that hook. Yeah, right. You're just full of shit. I love it. I re- it's surgical. I love it. Uh, his verse, I, I just don't think his verse can compare to what Kendrick turns in afterwards. Though. Absolutely Well, not. then Kendrick, Kendrick shows up, and yes, it's definitely exciting for a number of reasons. I mean, we hadn't really touched on it, but there's like moments on earlier songs on this album where like he's do he's directly referencing other Kendrick verses and like calling out Kendrick Lamar. It's clear that like Vince loves this dude mm-hmm. and it's it's great. He brought him out on stage at a Coachella. Yes. Oh that's, that's so yeah, exactly. cool. That's and so, so there cool. is there is kind of a there's like a proud I feel proud of Vince when Kendrick shows up of like, oh you got him on great. Way to go, buddy. You did it. <laughs> yeah. Really reminds me of when um Kid Cuddy showed up on Travis Scott's last night. Oh time. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that must have been a big it's moment. Great, it's a great thing to watch people meet their heroes on record. He's meeting his hero on record, yes, but songs, I almost kind of feel like Kendrick is ousting him here. Like a he's... little bit. And this I wanted to talk about this in terms of my like Black Panther anime thing. Yes. Because for me, this is like this is Kendrick Lamar holding Vince Staples over the waterfall and going like, Is this your king? And then just like throwing him over. <laughs> Which is <laughs> okay, fan fucking tastic because on the what I would probably say is the the biggest track from the Black Panther soundtrack album, uh, which is King's Dead, featuring that very memorable future verse where he goes, yeah, yeah, that at the very, very, very end of it, the last line he says before he goes into the chorus is, I am King Killmonger. So the parallel holds there up. There you go. He is the Killmonger role on this album. But there is, I want to give Vince some credit for going back at him because I think Kendrick leaves his verse off with like that verse where he's like, I don't fair fight, but I bear fight looking for my next road kill for the headlights, hanging on my last four kills for the highlights. And then, and then Vince follows it up with his hook again. Boy, yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. So it's almost like, it's almost like he's even willing to take the same shot at his hero. And there's something ballsy that I like about that. Like, yeah, you're not exempt. Totally. Very cool. I feel you, but this, I I, I mean, I gotta be honest. This is one of the two that really falls flat for me. And it's almost always a skip for me, but well, Hey, listen, buddy, you need to get your ass down to the seven (laughs) 11 and buy a bag of ice for that searing hot take. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know. This song is great. (laughs) Max, then what do you think about this next one? Homage. No stupid. Don't think too much, you're gonna lose it. Just lose yourself in the music. Get off your ass, move that thing, girl. All my girls my main girl. Round the world in the planes. Till they change to strap the range. Till they'll see how both you strange. Homage is my second favorite song on this album. Oh, Max, and we're holding hands again because it's my second Yay! favorite song on this album, too. <laughs> I love this song. The beat is incredible. Jack off the, maybe his best moment, in my opinion, doing the Lord's work. Hard agree. He is really holding it down. I have a, I have a great quote from Zach about this, uh, this song and this beat, too. He says, I think Homage was the beat that I was most surprised to hear what he came back with. That beat was just so... There are no rap beats out there right now that have that kind of tempo. But it's not like it's unprecedented either in that genre. If you look back and think about some things that Outkast have done, even going back to Bombs Over Baghdad or some of the songs on The Love Below. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's really apt. I think this repetitive ass chorus is so good. I don't know why this one works for me and the, and the last one works a little less, but I think that this one is perfect with the beat. I think that... The, this is a great chorus. When the bass starts swelling underneath it, too, it just really pumps me up. And I think that, like, Vince's is really, like, 
swinging with his with his Kanye confidence on this track too. Like yes. he calls himself the Hitchcock of the modern era. I love that sort of bald face brazen confidence. He asked why he didn't get a VMA or a Grammy for Prima Donna. A king deserves this homage. The chorus is an interpolation of a Rick Ross song called Hold Me Back. I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know, know that, that either. That's crazy. Okay, well. Shout out to all the pair. <laughs> Rick Ross, welcome the to the, the Hallelujah Monkeys verse. Uh, I don't know I don't know if I need this kilo outro, but it's good. It is it is good. So yeah, it's a nice little nice little garnish at the end. Um but boy, yeah, mostly this, this yeah. is just a pump up song for me, you know. The way that the way that soccer douchebags might listen to Lose Yourself before a soccer game, I might listen to to this song to get myself pumped up. It's got all of the things I like this really kinetic frenetic beat and this un uncut confidence this this is a this is a winner in my book are you guys fans of this next song as well samo no this is my least favorite song on this album bottom one bottom one i don't like this one either i can't really remember what it sounds like off the top of my head but i know i'm not really a it fan. sounds boring it's him doing the same old thing same old thing same old thing like it's it's i think he's trying to do the yeezus thing and he's trying to criticize people for mm-hmm. wanting him to do the same old thing but it, it, I agree. It sounds more boring than that. And and as much as we went to head to head on Sophie for for yeah right, but I really can't defend what they're doing here. I think that this beat sucks. Okay, it's just the bars are so unmemorable. Apparently, though, this the title of this comes from a uh, graffiti tag developed by uh, Jean Michael Basquiat, the uh, '80s artist who was living in New York. Do I um, does he do, does he have an a, a, a super well known work? I know that name. He I I don't I don't, I don't know of any of his works by name, but I remember last year he set a record for the uh, the most money ever paid for a a, uh, um, a portrait by an American artist at an auction, which I think was like oh 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 this million. guy did this guy's done hip hop cover art for something. Oh, interesting. This guy's done cover art. Interesting. I need to, I need I, to find that. Isn't it Tribe Called Quest? Yeah, Tribe Called Quest. There you go. Yeah, Samo was one of his graffiti tags, and according to Basquiat, the name originated from a conversation with uh, his friend Al Diaz, in which they called the the marijuana that they smoked the same old shit. That makes some sense, I guess. Yeah. I, but also, ASAP Rocky's on this song. Yeah, he's the one going same thing. I think. What a what a. Totally unnecessary addition. A little bit of a wasted feature, in my opinion. How much do you think he got paid for that? I hope little. <laughs> <laughs> I, hope, I hope little. Unless he unless he came in and like did some verses for some other things and they ended up not using it. I know that that sometimes happens. Yeah. But why? Why is this? Why is Aesop Rocky on this song doing? Nothing? And guess who else is on this song again? It's fucking Kilo Kish. She's back. Kilo, yeah. All Whatever. over this thing. All over this thing. But, yeah. yeah. This is just so boring. There's just yeah. nothing happening here that's memorable. This is a, a skip for me every time I have to listen to it. I like this next one, though. I think this next one's a little bit of a, an undiscovered gem on this record. I like it quite a bit. This next one is my is my fourth favorite song on the record. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Party people. Yeah, I've 
been fucked since my early days. I've been stuck in my worldly ways. Propaganda, press, pan the camera. Please don't look at me in my face. Everybody might see my pain. Off the rail, might off myself. But with life as a board, this plane. Steward this sex if I need help. Party people! <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I mentioned earlier that Sekoff was kind of interpolating the Detroit techno song. Here, here he's much more in that Chicago mode doing that really classic chord cadence, the bum, 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 yeah. bum. That very, very... And that plunky vocal. bass is back. Yeah. Oh, man, for sure. And Vince, I think, is showing kind of more flow versatility here than he does anywhere else on the record. It's almost like the verse, the pre-chorus, and the hook all have their own distinct take on a, on a Vince Staples performance, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I like... The, that second verse I think is really hot when he goes uh, oh man that, that line is amazing deja vu from my bayside view I see black cats in the daytime too I see black cats on the daytime news with handcuffed wrists and their skin turned blue that's a that's pure puppet on a string uh, magic there I think my favorite moment on this song would probably be uh, the pre-chorus where he goes move your body if you came here to party if not then pardon me how am I supposed to have a good time when death and destruction's all I see I love that every time I hear that here very good I like that part a lot too I don't don't really love the hook here. Oh, I like, I like the, the hook, hook too. He's like doing this that party people, yeah. Party people, I like to see party you dance. Party people, yeah. yeah. There's like a there's yeah there's something very playful and like yelpy that I that he doesn't do anything else like that on the record that I really it's like. The, it's the houseiest uh, thing on this record, I think. What's going on? Who's saying Vince the car's out? First? I Who's think that? it's fucking Zach Sakoff, and that's that's what I will choose to believe until the day I die. Oh, that's fine. That is what I choose to believe. Zach Sakoff is really young, though. I'd almost expect it to sound like Vince the car's out. But no, I love I love the fact that we're seeing more versatility on the performance level from Vince here. So late in the record too, like I could have used a little of that on same O for sure. Right? I could have used some of that yelpy energy right? for sure. I think uh, when we get a little closer to the end of this record, I, I have a configuration for this album that you might enjoy a little more if that's how you feel. Cool, I'm looking forward to that. You want to talk about bag back? This is for my future baby mama. Hope your skin is black as midnight. I'll take you out there under. I can put you in the bins. I can balance out your chakras. Fornication is a sin. We can fuck on night regardless. So this is my on. number three on the album. This is also my number three on the album. Now we're holding hands. Hey! Oh, good. Yeah! <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's definitely up in the in the upper half of my favorite track. This was the here. first single as well. Yeah, this is the song uh, that they used in Black Panther commercials. Thumbs up. Thumbs up on this one. Oh you know what, God, you know what I, I really like? about this song is the build i think that this has more build than anything else on the record and and the beat really starts to kind of beef up and and when vince gets into that one percent section like that to me is the first time he seemed like he confidently knows how to end a song on this album in a way i completely (laughs) agree i completely agree and i love the way that his rapping and his subject matter kind of all builds up to that too. That that like tell the tell the president to suck a dick. Prison system broken, racial war commoting. Till the president get Ashley Vincent won't be voting. That's great. That's great. Yep. The next Bill Gates can be on Section Eight up in the projects. Till they love my dark skin, bitch. I'm going all in. Oh, love that. Super good, man. Honestly, yeah. even though sometimes it, it, with some artists like your your. Talib Kweli's or your immortal techniques or your dead presses. When, when, when artists go full political for a whole album, sometimes it can feel like a little much. But every time Vince does it on this record, it's uniformly the best stuff on here. 
Yeah. He needs to do more of this. It's That's what makes Ascension so great. It's because he stays in that mode and never gets out of it. You know? I also love the little spoken word sample they pepper in here towards the end. The, they found it. Depth close to 3,233. Like, it's <laughs> a little, little world building. Yeah, I love it. I love it. More nautical shit. I don't know about this beat though. Like, once the third verse happens and the and the one percent thing, I think it really it really goes off. But but the but before then, I like it all the way through, me and too. I really like all the flows that Vince is working with all the way through here too. Me there's, too. This is for my future baby mama. Hope your skin is black as midnight. And then there's that like hook that's like gas break and dip. The crash came. A flip. Yes, that's great. Very solid hook. He's on fire for this entire track. I think this beat is Ray Brady, and that's the dude who also produced uh, Kilo. Kish's debut album, oh. so more Kilo connections happening here. There you nice. go. It's all one big family. Um, we're at the end of the record. Is it time to talk about Rain Come Down? When the sun go down I don't like this Ty Dolla Sign chorus, and I remember when this came out as a single, it, it was the first sign that, like, maybe this wasn't going to be a masterpiece record, because Bag Back and, and Big Fish had gotten me really excited, um, and then Rain Come Down dropped, and I thought, like, I don't know. And I know a lot of people who really like this one, but it's still not one of my favorites here. This one Same. isn't a highlight for me either, really. It just kind of ends the album, not totally on a shrug, but... It's, it's not a big bang to go out on. Well, that's a little bit of a surprise because I actually wrote in my notes, I bet Trevor likes it. He's usually pretty forgiving of closing songs. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. No, no, this one, I don't know. It just doesn't really hit me. And yeah, that Ty Dollar Sign hook doesn't really do much for me either. That when the rain comes down, yeah, it doesn't do much for me. Vince Vince also does the same verse twice, which I'm not really into. Like, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a great verse. It's it's got some somewhat like creative self mythologizing stuff about him being on the nose of the Sphinx and feeling like Snoop Damn. on Andre Day, but it's it's not the kind of like you guys want to hear that again kind of verse the way that it's played on this song. Um, there is something kind of funny and good though about Vince's last words on the record being yeah. uh, don't drown in the brown just drown in the sound sure. we haven't talked about it but Vince makes a big deal about how he never uses drugs or alcohol um, and there's something about ending the the record with like hey you guys don't need alcohol you should just enjoy the music that makes me recontextualize all of Big Fish Theory as like a, like a straight edge rap album which I kind of enjoy <laughs> Um, but then I do I do think Ty, his outro is better than his hook here. I like him on the outro more than on the on the rest of the song. I don't know. Do you have a puppet on the string moment? No. There's nothing too exciting about this to me. And I don't understand it as a closer. I don't understand it as a closer. I get it as a closer. It feels like closing the book on something, and it, it's kind of leaves things on a haunting note, but I just don't really like it that much of as a song. And I'm always a little bit bummed when we come down on a last song, uh, because it may, it feels like we've left the album on a, on a bad foot a little bit, you know? Like, maybe it'll make us feel like our review of this was more mixed than it really was. Yeah. I think that there's a lot to like here. I definitely do, too. And, I mean, it's a 45-minute album or so. Just put it on. Give it a listen. It's 36 it's, minutes. It's not even 40 minutes. Just put it on. <laughs> listen to it. Give Vin Staples the place. Yeah. 
And, and, you know, on the songs that are maybe a little bit more thumb twiddly, like, don't worry. Like, the longest song on here is Rain Come Down. Most of these songs are under three. Yeah, so, so like, if you're not really enjoying what you're hearing, you're going to be hearing something else in just a minute. For sure. And it, and it's just a really yeah. good vibe album, too. But if 36 minutes is too daunting for you, or if you're not really feeling how how the trackless gels, Maxton Stenstrom is here to give you his alternate custom track list. Let's hear it, Maxton. Talk me through it. You guys, don't worry, because I fixed Big Fish Theory. So, you open with Bag Back. That's the first song you hear on this album. That is the... Yeah. Oh, shit. I like that. Yeah. That is bold. I mean, there's something I'll miss about the intro to Crabs in a Bucket being the first thing you hear, but I like what I, you're I, doing there. That's pretty Yeah, sad. and I think I think You're that, coming right I out the gate. You really feel that build and i think the like the end of it where he's like tell the one percent to suck a dick because we on now it's like it's like whoa what the fuck is this album gonna sound like i think that would have been a killer opener and it would make the first lyric on the album this is for my future baby mama which which makes the whole album feel like it would be which is very cool cool that's cool. that's cool i like that's pretty that. cool nice N- number nice. two is big fish still that doesn't need to change that's that's no that's, that's your number two for yeah, sure yeah that's pretty perfect. Although I, I do have to say, I love that he closed uh, his set with it. When Me he too. He saved the best. Putting for it last. at the end, it was, it was a good conclusion. Yeah. So what's number three? So number three is going to be homage. Number three, you keep the energy going with homage. Oh shit! Yeah. So far, this is a great album. <laughs> <laughs> um, keep going. Number number four is going to be rain come down. So this this is going to be the first moment where we'll probably come come back a little bit and um and we keep it we keep it in that kind of um the the, su- the suspended kind of mood with 745 as the fifth track but we begin to bring it back up for the last third uh track six is party people uh my track seven is uh that's where love can be goes and uh my track eight is uh crabs in a bucket and that is my custom trackless version Closing yeah. with the opener. Interesting. In, in my version of this, the my, the one thing I would change is that I would throw out Rain Come Down and, and add Yeah Right in there for sure. There you go. I feel that. Hey, that 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 that's a very that's a very passable version. Pretty, of Pretty that's pretty solid. You couldn't you couldn't really go wrong with that with that abridged version. There you go, guys. And Maxton, we may have listeners who don't listen to uh, the other podcasts that you and I do, One Hit Wonders of the World. But yes, those people are idiots and fools. It's a great show. <laughs> they need to be listening. I think all of our listeners are wonderful people, regardless of their podcast listening <laughs> habits. Although I do recommend it. <laughs> but something that uh-huh. we do on that show, Max, at the end of every episode, we come up with some attributes to attribute to the song we've been talking about. Yes, we do. Rating and it's it. always really fun. They, they, they're always the. Att- I'll say as a listener, I'm not involved with this show. But as a listener, I always love this part. There are always these like kind of cute little review metric that they come up with based on the song. My favorite one was in the Ring My Bell episode. <laughs> Trevor handed out Ring My Bell. The song is done by the artist Anita Ward, and he handed out at the end his honorifics of Neat Awards. Right, still so good, still so good. Anita Award got a Neat Award. <laughs> After that, she won't need awards. <laughs> really good, really but Ma- good. But Maxton, I think this album needs some attributes. So, would you like to do the honor? Oh, I'm very excited. I'm very excited. Let's hear it. Yeah, I, uh, I I spent a lot of time thinking about this. So much so that I actually have two sets of attributes for this album. Oh wow, um, unprecedented. Yeah. So 
first to to set the mood and to know what we're working with. I, I'm going to establish uh, the scale. In every episode of One Hit Wonders of the World, uh, we pick a different scale for how we're going to rate these attributes, and it can be whatever scale we want. Uh, it could be a 1 to 10, 1 to 100, or, you know, a, a binary sometimes. But this time, um, I have created my own custom scale. And uh, my, my scale, in order from lowest to highest, is... Um, one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Great work. <laughs> Let's hear it. Take us through it. Okay. All right. So first, uh, we're going to uh, we're going to rate the collaborators and contributors, uh, or a few of them, on uh, on this scale I've created. Uh, I'm going to give. Oh, good. I'm going to give Zach Sikoff the Blue Fish Award. He absolutely yes. deserves the bl- the Blue Fish Award. He is the top. Oh, that works so well because it's like a blue ribbon too. Yeah, Very right. Um, and I, I know I know I'm about to get disagreed with, but uh, Sophie is one fish. Sophie gets one fish on <laughs> well, this record. I, I can't. I can't. I can't <laughs> give her full fish credits for because I think Samo is a real piece of shit. Right. So. Right. Hey. Whatever. Um, Kilo Quiche is holding it down. She's the red fish. Nice. Kilo Quiche well, is holding deserved, it down. She's the red fish. And um, I think that's that's fair. Amy Winehouse is unfortunately going to be our two fish for this episode. <laughs> Rest in peace. Man. Rest in peace. Yeah, R.I.P. R.I.P. Amy Winehouse. She's sleeping with the two fish. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. My apologies to her family. <laughs> right. But now we actually, I actually did some attributes for the sounds on this on this record as well. I'm going to okay. give the British influence on this record two fish, not because it's bad, but just because everything else was a little better um, or a sure. little worse. Not super into that garage the sound. The garage sound, but uh, what I'm a little less into than that is the overall song structure, which is going to take home the one fish award. Yeah, I think that is one of the worst things about this, this record. Could he yeah. use a little um, bit more work? However... Vince making a point to askew most modern hip hop tropes and still flourishing lyrically in the process is Redfish. Nice, completely. Nice, definitely, I, definitely. I, I think he does a great job at pushing himself and attempting to push the genre forward. And I just want to, I, I want to express how much I appreciate that with with the Redfish. And the award. and the rare moments on this record that are about cars and clothes tend to really be a limited and b some of the weaker stuff. So yeah, I feel that for sure. Agreed. Um. Finally, what I think is holding this record together at the core of it, plunky bass sounds, bluefish. Plunky bass sounds, bluefish. Plunky bass sounds, gotta have it. Hell yeah. Congratulations to Zach Sekhoff and plunky bass sounds for taking home (laughs) the inaugural bluefishes. Oh, man. That was so much fun, you guys. Oh, Maxton. Hey, here. Let me just ask you point blank on the mic. We let's have do this it. new let's, we have this new format now, Maxton, where we do uh, an album from each phase collaborator and then a movie night. How would you feel about just coming back for an episode every season based on the artist you're most interested in? I would love that so much. I think that would be a lot of fun. I think the listeners would enjoy that. I too. think the listeners would really like that. Okay, well, we'll we'll sort that out. We'll look at our we'll look at our map of next season and figure out what you want to do, and, and that'll be a lot of fun. I'm I'm looking forward to that. I'm so excited to hang out with you guys again. Before we wrap up this episode, though, I need to turn to my homework and tell you if I think Finn Staples is one of the greats. I want well, to hear your answer like, to this. I feel like I know what your answer is going to be, but yes, please go for it. My answer is 
he could be. Yeah. I think he's got potential. Yeah. I think that's fair. I, I think, think he's fair. a I I think he's there's a great artist inside him. Yeah. And I see that in a lot of the creative decisions made with this record more so than the rapping. So he he really just needs to like kind of devote himself to getting his entire the entirety of performances up to that puppet on a string level, I mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. And he could be a real contender for like maybe a top five slot. But as of now, I think he's still got some work to do, and he's got some personal stuff to figure out, too. There's some moments of rapping on this record that are so exciting and really set him apart from anybody else in this generation. And if he can just harness those moments and, and stretch them out into song length, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree with you. I Let's go ahead and leave a spot behind the VIP rope empty for Vince Staples in the future, should he decide to grow into the artist that we believe he could be. 100%. And I had one final question for you, yeah. Dylan. This goes back to the uh, all the Black Panther talk I've thrown out there during the episode. Imagine, imagine Vince Stables does become the Black Panther, the King of Wakanda, right? <laughs> now, the King of Wakanda faces an interesting dilemma in that he rules over a nation, kind of rich yes. with great power, valuable resources, and futuristic technology and great power. But Wakanda has historically chosen to kind of keep themselves closed off from the rest of the world, kind of after seeing what certain parts are capable of doing to, let's say, non-Western areas with valuable resources. Yes, yes. Colonial fuckery. So how do you think newly crowned king of Wakanda, Vince Staples, approaches the Wakandan dilemma? Do you think he's like, I've seen this stuff like firsthand we need to stay isolated or do you think he's like i've seen stuff firsthand we can and should be doing a lot of good Ooh, you know what Here, here's what's crazy i think what you would get from vince staples is a lot of like grousing both sides are wrong south parkian sneering that seems a lot like an action and then one day out of the blue he suddenly becomes the king of of community outreach and does all this charity shit like which is kind of what we saw happen on a minor scale with his GoFundMe campaign, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I think what happens is like if 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 he wakes up, he had a good night's sleep and a good breakfast, <laughs> we'll get a really noble uh, Black Panther and it'll and it'll improve the world greatly. <laughs> I think you guys are right. Um, Trevor, we're almost done with the season. We have one thing left to do, and that is uh, the next time we con- we reconvene, it will be for the first ever official Hallelujah Monkeys movie. Oh night. my god! Are you excited? We're going to be watching Tank Girl. Of course, I'm excited. <laughs> it's so exciting. I encourage you, the listener, to get in touch with us on Facebook and Twitter and Tumblr and Instagram and Amino and uh, and also to join our Discord at discord.me slash monkeys with a Z. Become a patron of our podcast at patreon.com slash monkeys a dollar or more a month to get access to all of our amazing premium content. Um, I also would like you to leave us a review on iTunes that's super helpful for all the helping us find new listeners. You can listen to us on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash monkeys. Um, also leave us an email. We love getting emails from you guys. That's how you monkeys at gmail.com. Uh, do listen to the other two gentlemen on this, uh, this episode's fantastic podcast. One hit wonders of the world. Max and I know that that's someday. Eventually we're going to get a, an episode that is all about 
Rapper's Delight, Dude, which I'm so excited I about. I was I, I was really, really determined before we recorded this episode. I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to sit down, and I'm going to edit this whole behemoth of an episode, and I'm going to release yeah. it before we record it. I think I'm, a, I'm about a fourth of the way through. I'm about 30 minutes in. For the few listeners who are also listening to One Hit Wonders of the World, <coughs> glove. <coughs> Um, it's gonna be like two hours. Get excited! The next episode's gonna be like two hours. I I can't wait. Got to glove to glove. Everybody goes go subscribe though. Also, while you're out there on the internet, go look up and listen to the music of Infinite Freefall, the, the wonderful output by by Maxton. In his, I would say, in his real primary uh, work as an artist. Thank right? you, that's Dylan. The real shit, right? Yeah, that that that's that's where my heart and soul is. That's what I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna put on my headstone when I die. Just infinite freefall on good-ass iTunes. Music. You, you make some good ass music. Thank what was you, that man. Most recent EP that I really really dug. I can't remember what it's called. Oh, that was called Belonging. You guys actually did a world premiere of the single on How the oh. Monkeys. I love that other one too. Yeah, that whole thing is great. Everybody, go look up Belonging by Infinite Freefall. Uh, yeah, listen to uh, Infinite Freefall, donate to our Patreon, and uh, look out for our next episode coming soon. But until then, I've been Trevor Ickrath. I've been Dylan Flynn. I've been Maxton Stenstrom. Don't get lost in heaven. Demo! Cold lyrics by hot rappers here. When a cool, crisp, refreshing lemon lime summer Sprite. Hello, random teenager. Want a Sprite? You're Vince Staples. You win. Okay, the promotional sign is up above. Read it carefully. We have enlarged product because product is important. Make sure they see that logo right there into the camera. Sprite, the commercial's over.